Would you turn this evening, please, to Matthew and the sixth chapter? Matthew 6. We were excited about this verse last night. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, we were excited. Hmm? Can't you hear the excitement? Oh, feel the excitement? This is week of increase. And the increase is on. Hmm? Say it's on. It's on. What's on? The increase. The increase is on. And uh, this is our text. Matthew 6 and 31. He said, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What in the world are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Where are we going to get clothes for the kids? Hmm? Where are we going to get money for our payments? Where? Where are we going to get it? That's how unbelief talks. And fear talks like that. Faith does not talk. Faith never talks like that. Hmm? Where is it going to come from? Is where doubt focuses. Where, how, how's he going to get it? He'll come by it honestly. I don't know how it's going to happen. There's a lot of stuff you don't know. You don't usually know how it's going to happen. That doesn't mean it can't happen. He said, don't take anxious thoughts and say. Did you hear that? Taking thoughts and saying. That's how people get out of faith. Taking thoughts, wrong thoughts, and then opening your mouth and saying what you're thinking about. Man, where are we going to get it? Where are we going to get it? What do you mean you need an extra $300? Boy, do you think money grows on trees? What do you mean? Where do you think we're going to get that? Now, the same folks that dress up real nice and wave their Bible when they come to church talk like this in their kitchen with the bills laying on the table. Where where do you think we're going to get that? You know what we make. Where do you think it's going to come from? That's just like cussing for a believer. I'm serious. That kind of stuff, especially when you know better, when the Lord's done things for you again and again and met your needs, it's grievous to the Holy Spirit. Must not talk such things. Where's it going to come from? Where it always comes from. From the Lord's faithful provision. Right? When people say, do you think you'll have enough? No, I don't think we'll have enough. We'll have too much. We'll have too much. We'll have enough and more. Excess, surplus, we're going to start living off the top of the barrel. Hmm? He said, verse 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Does he care? He already knows about it. He's already made provision. He already knows where it's at and how he's going to get it to you. Hmm? You don't have to know. If you know, he knows. 
You should be happy. Amen. <laughs> right? Yes, hmm? You know, how many flew on a plane coming over here to the meeting and whatever? You know, if the pilot knows where he's going, do you have to fret about it the whole trip? Man, I wonder if we're going to the right state. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if we're going even to the right country. I wonder, I, I wonder. If the pilot and the co-pilot know, if they know, do you have to even know? If God knows where it's at and where it's coming from, do you have to know? No. no. If you got faith, you don't even feel the need to know. You go, God knows. God knows. You know, on one occasion, one of the prophets, the Lord showed him some things. Uh, then the Lord said, what does that mean? And he said, oh, Lord, uh, you know. <laughs> That's a good answer. This is a bright boy. <laughs> oh, Lord, you know. And you know he died. What do you think the Lord did when he said that? He probably smiled and go, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and you know, the master, Jesus, tested his disciples. Do you remember that? When that great crowd came, John chapter 6. And he said, where are we going to get food? To feed all these people. And the Bible said he already knew what he was going to do. Anybody remember that? Well then why did he ask them? This he said to prove them. To test them. They've been with him for months and months now. They've seen miracles. They've been in the meetings. They've heard the teaching. Now he's giving them a pop quiz. And you will be tested on this material tonight. Hmm? You will be in life. And you'll pass the test or you'll fail them. What do you choose to do? Pass. Well, it takes faith to pass the test. Without faith, it's impossible to please God and pass the test. So he said, uh, where are we going to get enough food? This is Jesus talking. Where are we going to get enough to feed all these people? Hmm. And one of them said, Lord, $20,000 worth of Happy Meals wouldn't touch this. <laughs> That's the Keith Moore paraphrase. <laughs> wrong answer, wrong answer. And then one of them said, well, there is a little boy that's got a little lunch here. He's got five loaves and two fishes, but... What is that among so many? Uh, <laughs> they're failing this test. They should have said what the prophet said. Shouldn't they? Boys, where are we going to get enough food to feed all these people? They looked over this vast crowd. They should have said, Oh Lord, you know. <laughs> and we're going to follow your lead. <laughs> Whatever you say, we're going to do. And we just have confidence in you that you just looked at him and said, you already know, don't you? He just said, yeah. Bible said he already knew. Glory to God. Anybody found an answer tonight? What do you say when the Lord asks you about these things? Or somebody else asks you about whatever. The Lord knows. 
He knows. He's already got it planned. He's already got it scoped out. Where's all that money you need for your project? He knows right where it is. And exactly how to get it to me. He's already had it figured out long ago. Had it planned out long ago. All I got to do is stay in faith. And stay on track. That's all I got to do. I know uh, when we, Phyllis and I, answered the call, going to ministry, went to Bible school, we left what little we had, wasn't much, and we lived in little rough places, and we raked by and scraped by and did what we needed to do, and as the Lord taught us, we began to prosper as the years went by, five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, somebody say twenty years. Not everything happens in a year or two. And uh, we got a little little bitty apartment in the roughest part of town. If there's nothing on TV that you wanted to see, you could just raise the window. <laughs> and look outside. And there are people shooting at each other. And, you know, we came out of the door one night to go to church. And the police on the bullhorn said, get back inside. They had the road blockaded. And they were behind their cars with weapons. We thought, Phyllis, we better go out the back door tonight. <laughs> And then we moved to a better apartment, and then a better apartment. Glory to God. And then a better apartment, and then a little rent house. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> it was a little bitty. It was old. But hey, you didn't have anybody on top of you making noise. You know, and had to climb three steps with your groceries. And you didn't have to go to the washeteria. Wash house, we call it down south. What do y'all call it? Laundromat, yeah, thank you, thank you, yeah. <laughs> I'm from Mississippi, okay. <laughs> Wash house. So you didn't have to go and put quarters in the uh, washers and dryers. Had your own washer and dryer, had your own garage, Whoa. own carport, little bitty house. And then, glory to God, the Lord let us buy our own house. And then, now I'm talking about years now. Years, the Lord put us in a house, I'm telling you, it was nice, it had a swimming pool, big swimming pool, tennis court, big, nice, and we got it for, as they say, a song. It wasn't even for sale. It had been foreclosed on and people didn't know about it and the Lord dealt with us, make them an offer now. And we did and didn't really have it, but the Lord brought it in, it was amazing. And the Lord told us during that time, this is what he said to me during, you know, our closing and moving in that place. He said, when you answered the call, I set this in motion for you. And I looked back and they started building that house the year Phyllis and I made the decision to go to Ramah. He had that in mind for us before we were ever born. And much more and much better. But I saw something. It was when he said that to me. I saw that the will of God. The path. Of the righteous. Huh? It's to grow brighter and brighter. Right? It's to get better and better. If things are just getting worse and worse in your life. You got off the path. You did. You need to repent and get back on the path. But. If you're on his path, he has you scheduled to intersect. 
with blessings. He's got things planned for you. If you'll stay in His path and stay in His will and stay in your call and do what He told you to do, He's got plan for you. Blessings are headed to you. Oh, can you see this? And if you'll just keep moving and just keep staying on track, you will meet up with them. And they will meet up with you. How many remember that the Lord told Abram to take his son, go up the mount, offer him up for a sacrifice? You remember that? And he didn't hesitate. He did. He got up that next morning bright and early and loaded up the stuff and took that boy. He headed out. And as they're going up the mountain, the boy, you know, he ain't dumb. He said, uh, Daddy, he said, uh, we got the fire. We got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? He's already sensing something's up. And what did Abram say to him? Abraham. The Lord knows. Hmm? He already knows. And the Lord will provide. Actually, uh, you know, we get the compound name Jehovah Jireh, we say, or I guess maybe a better pronunciation is Yireh, but it doesn't work good in the song. <laughs> but uh, it means, somebody said, well, it means the Lord will provide yes and no. It literally means the Lord who sees. Or in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. But it does mean provision. Obviously, look at the rest of the chapter and see how it worked out. He provided. He did what he said. The Lord will provide is a good translation, but literally it means the Lord who sees. Well, think about the word provision. Pro what? Pro what? Provision. Pro means what? Before. And vision means what? Before seeing. You can only see right here. But the Lord sees the end of the road. He sees everything that's headed towards you. To intersect. And when they got up there, you know that he raised up the knife to sacrifice the boy. And the angel of the Lord called to him said, don't do it. And they looked around and there was a ram. Caught in the thickets. And they took him. And he was there and he was available. He was the provision and the Lord did provide. And it was a type of how the Lord was going to provide himself a sacrifice, the Lord Jesus. But I thought, where was that ram early that morning? Or the night before? Where was that ram? Huh? Where was that ram? Well... He just had an urge to go this way. So he did. And he had an urge to go up the mountain. And he did. And he just had an urge for some reason to go left and to go up and to go left and to go up and then to go over this and keep going up. And then he just had an urge to stick his head in that thicket. <laughs> Didn't he? Just, it just came over him. <laughs> And not just to, to push his nose, but I mean to get on into this thing <laughs> and to rumble around until he got caught and hung up. <laughs> Abraham didn't see him when he said, the Lord will provide. But when he said it, 
While he was saying the words, the ram was on the way. And they stayed on track. And so the ram was headed to intersect with them. Oh, can you see it? Can you see it? The Lord sees ahead and he provides the supply before you get there, before you knew you're going to need it. He's already had it on the way. Somebody say the ram's on the way. Ram's on the way. All you got to do is just stay on track. Keep believing. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep obeying God and you will intersect with the complete provision. We just thank God. that The Lord told me, he said, when you and Phyllis made the decision, you consecrated to obey me and to start that way. He said, I had this set in motion for you. And it took us 20 years to meet up with it. But, it, you know, 20 years is going to pass anyway. <laughs> you need to be headed somewhere. Right? You know, the Lord blessed Phyllis with this ring we talked about a couple of days ago. And she's been believing for it for 15 years. Well, 15 years was going to pass anyway. I think she's glad that she had it on her list and was believing for it instead of just doing nothing for 15 years in that area. Hmm? People say, well, it might take a long time. Well, it's going to pass anyway. Get your faith working. Get your words working. Get your confession working. I know uh, my father in the faith, uh, Kenneth Hagin. He, uh, when I first came to be, you know, in the school in the ministry, I'd hear him saying, "We're going to receive one-time offering, one million dollars." And he said it. He said it. Months passed. Years passed. He kept saying, "We're going to receive. We, you know." Uh, we're going to have one-time offering. Somebody's going to sow into the ministry one million dollars. And sure enough, here came a person bringing two five hundred thousand dollar cashier checks. And as he said, we received both of them. Amen. Well, immediately after that, he started saying, "We're going to receive into this ministry a one-time offering two million dollars." And he said it for month after month and year after year. I was there the entire time uh, during that and came in one day and was monitoring his class. And he came into the back room there and he said, it came in. (laughs) They had received it. Two million dollars. And it was good. And it was there. And man, I was shouting that day. I was thinking, glory to God, glory to God. Look at that. Man, he just said it and kept saying it. And there it is, $2 million. And I was getting in my car to leave the parking lot after the uh, the class. And the Lord said to me, he said, what are you saying? What are you saying? I thought, oh, I ain't. See, these things are not just for the Brother Hagens and the, the old Roberts and the, huh? It's for all believers. What are you saying? What are you saying is happening and is going to happen in your life? So I begin to say some things. And they begin to happen. And then I begin to say bigger stuff. And they begin to happen. Time's going to pass anyway. Have your faith working on something. Have it confidence that you're headed towards something. And something's headed towards you. Say it again, the ram... Is on the way. It's headed toward you. You're headed toward it, right? 
Now he went on to say, verse 32, after all these things do the Gentiles seek, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. He knows. And he knows where it's at, and he knows who to deal with, and he knows how to get it to you. Don't you fret about that one moment. He knows. He knows, and he's faithful. Verse 33, but here's what you do. Now he talked about what you don't do. Now he talks about what you do. What do you don't do? Don't worry about it and take anxious thought and care and fret and say, what are we going to eat and where is it going to come from? Don't do that. What else you don't do? Don't seek after it. Seek after it. What do you do? But, verse 33, but seek ye, but you seek first The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? He mentioned material things, didn't he? Eating and drinking and wearing your clothes and things. Stuff. All these things will be added to you. You won't have to seek them. You won't have to run after them. They will be added to you. Well, who's going to add them to you? He is. He's going to add them to you. The blessings will follow you all the days of your life and overtake you. Hmm? You'll hear, you know, uh, uh. You go, what is that? That's the blessing truck about to run over you. Full of blessings. He daily loads us. Load. Go, man, that's a load. It's a load. Here it comes. And you wasn't running after it. It found you. And it was added to you. What were you running after? What were you seeking? What were you have on your mind? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Now, we've touched on this, but some people have got a hold of some principles of faith. But then they miss this. And they spend most of their time and their efforts and their energies thinking about their stuff that they're believing for. And their confessions. And if you're using more of your thought and words and confession and faith to get your stuff than you are the kingdom of God, you're, you're off. You're upside down. Got to get this thing changed. The Lord wants you to have stuff. He wants you to be rich. But he doesn't want you to be covetous. And he doesn't want you to put things first. The kingdom's first. Now, most anybody would agree with that. But millions are not Doing this, they are putting things first. And I said to you that, you know, when the Lord dealt with me and dealt with Phyllis about this and began to straighten us out, even after I'd been to Bible school and still struggling financially, the Lord dealt with me. This is the first thing he took me to was Matthew 6.33. And he said, you know this, but you're not doing it. You're not doing it. And he said, many of my people know this, but they're not doing it. They would agree with it. They say amen to it, but they're not doing it. It's real simple. When you get paid, when money comes in, what do you do? What's the first thing you do? Well, millions of Christians, when they get paid... They do not think about the kingdom of God first. When they get paid, they think about their bills 
and their stuff. I got a house payment. I got insurance. Kids need shoes. And we got a doctor bill. And we got this. We got to pay the insurance premium. Got to do this. And later, at the end of the week, and after they've written these checks, they try to see, can we give? Hmm? And we need to give something in the church. And a lot of, <laughs> oh man, what percentage of people come to church and prior to the offering, they have thought nothing about the offering. I'm not talking about just special meetings. I'm talking about their own church too. They come, they have thought nothing about the offering until it happens, begins to happen. And they go, hmm, maybe I should do something. Last minute, well, what do I got on me? Let's see. You know, uh, well, I got 20 and I got a five and I got a hundred. And even if the Lord dealt with them, so that hundred. And Mr. Willie always deals with you to give the biggest thing. I don't believe that. No. But let's say on this occasion, he did deal with you to give your biggest bill. And they'll go, hmm, okay, all right. Uh, that hundred. Now let's see, what have I got coming up? Oh, man, I got to put gas in my car. And so... Let's just give the 20 and miss God. Why? It's quiet in this place. Why? Why do people do that? Because they are not persuaded God can get it back to me in time. Just unbelief. If the Lord deals with you to do something. He already knows. <laughs> right? He already knows and the ram's already on the way. But it takes faith, doesn't it? It takes faith to obey him not knowing where the rest is going to come from. But the just shall live by faith. That's how our life is supposed to be from the time we get up to the time we go to bed. Hmm? And if you got to see how it's going to work and where it's all going to come from before you act, you are not going to walk with God. You're not going to make it. You're going to miss him again and again and again. Oh, but do I have any faith people in the place tonight? People that really are willing to live by faith and willing to go out not knowing where you're going and willing to obey not knowing how it's going to work. Huh? Anybody that's done this in the house tonight, you did, you obeyed him, you did some things, and you didn't know, couldn't see how it was going to work. But it did. And oh, how it worked. <laughs> worked wonderful. I know the Lord told us, Phyllis and me, to uh, get this place, this building and this property. And one of the person that was talking to her, uh, the owners that were selling it, they said, well, how large is your congregation right now? She said, well, right now, nobody. <laughs> well, what do you need a sizable place for when you got no congregation? You know? And I spent a night or two with a calculator, and it just wasn't working. I could not see how to make it work. Because, I mean, in the natural you got any guarantees about who's going to come or who's going to give or what's... No, no. But did anybody know? Huh? 
God knew that the very first service would be over 500 people show up. And people would just give and send money from all over the world. And they'd just pay the thing off. Just one of the easiest things we've ever done. But I didn't know that. Sitting in the room with the calculator. (laughs) I didn't know where it was going to come from. I didn't know who would come or who wouldn't come. That's not my job. To figure that out. And I don't, if I know he knows, I don't have to know. Faith doesn't have to know how and who and from where and when. All faith has to know is God. He said so. And he knows how. Can you say amen? amen. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Selah. Some folks are uh, dealing with some things in this area right now. You can't get the miracles any other way. God is not going to come and sit down with you and your daytimer or your scheduler. Huh? And tell you, now this is going to happen today and then by the end of the week this is going to be here. And then this is going to happen and then this and this will all be taken care of. He's not going to tell you all that. Why? He does not want to. He could, but he doesn't want to. He'll open the door. He'll say, go on through there, boy. And you'll go. <laughs> What's in there? What's on the other side? <laughs> and you'll get silence. Yeah. Nothing. Because if you're going to walk by faith, you know all you need to know. And you've got to trust him and take a step and then take another step. And take it. If you want to see the miracles, you got to do it this way. There's no other way. No other way. Now you need to know that you've heard from him. Hmm? You need to know and check it and double check it and make sure and then make sure that you heard from him. But if you did, he already knows. And you'll not fall and you'll not fail. You'll succeed. And he'll get glory. Can you say amen? Amen. Verse 33. What is the master key to God's increase? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What is the kingdom of God? Hmm? King Dumb from dominion. The king's dominion. The king's rule. The king's realm of influence and control. One definition, it's uh, Webster's actually. Says the realm in which God's will is fulfilled. I think Brother Webster knew the Lord. The realm in which God's will is fulfilled. So what are we to seek? The kingdom of God. God. Are you interested in this at all? Your, the prosperity of the Lord is inseparable from this. You seeking first the kingdom of God. His kingdom. 
We said, what is the kingdom? What is the territory or the people over which the king, our king of kings, rules? What is it? Well, it's on the earth and it's in heaven. And soon, all the kingdoms of this world are going to become his kingdom. Now, his will is not being done right now on the planet everywhere and in all the kingdoms of the world. But... His kingdom is here and flourishing and growing. We talked about it last night. Those who study statistics tell us they believe they can account for over 2 billion people who confess Jesus as Lord on the planet right now. 2 billion with a B. Billion. And my staff did some uh, research today. And endeavoring to find the churches. You know, we talked about how many churches. And uh, the estimates that they could find is that there are a recorded. Now, you know, there could be a lot more that's not recorded. But a recorded, reported approximately four and a half million churches. Churches. Well, all the churches you know put together would be what percentage of that? Huh? Huh? When God looks at the earth and he looks over his kingdom, which is expanding daily, does he just look at denominations or groups? Does he love part of his family more than another? No. Is he, you know, a respecter of persons and, and he, oh, he really loves, you know, even though people don't say it, in their minds, they kind of harbor this thing, well, you know, we're the special ones. Because we got the revelation. <laughs> Do you now? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we're, you know, we, we got the word. And really, in more recent times, the Lord's given me light on this and dealing with me about this. I'm making adjustments in my thinking And in my words, and I tell you one thing that I've been done with for some time and intend to be completely exclusive of making fun of any group. I don't know if you have noticed, but a lot of word and faith people make fun of other Christian groups. They call denomination names. And they make jokes about this one and that one. And I want you to know, brother, it ain't okay with God. He loves them and loves you the same. He's interested in their life and their church and their meetings the same as he is yours. Not one whit less. People that have a just just light that Jesus is their Savior. And people who think they have a lot, God loves the same. And there are some people, I'm telling you, there are some people on the planet right now, they got light in areas that you and I are behind in. They may not have some light in some of these areas we think is so, you know, we're so advanced. But that ain't the only area there is. There's a big Bible. It's a big God and a big will of God. And there's some people that just put us to shame. We couldn't hold a light for them to preach by. 
and teach by in some of these areas. And there is division. And there are sects and groups that just don't have anything to do with each other and are prejudiced against one another. Now when we think when we say prejudiced, people tend to think in terms of race. Oh, but it goes far beyond that. That's just a small part of it. There are Baptists that are prejudiced against Pentecostals and Pentecostals that are prejudiced against Catholics and and wealthy people that are prejudiced against poor Christians and poor Christians that are prejudiced against wealthy Christians. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And it is displeasing to our Father. Because we are, He does not see group, 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 group. He sees His kingdom. They're all, we're all His. And not one of us is more his than the other that's really born again. And you may think I'm wondering or digressing on this, but this is the key to your increase. Your understanding of this and putting this as priority in your whole life is the key to your personal increase. Your increase is tied to the kingdom increase. Hmm? I mean, it's so simple. It's two plus two equals four. We've had people that left this church because they didn't agree with what we taught on prosperity. And in six months, called and asked for financial aid. Well, now that don't make sense. But separate. Are y'all believing with me tonight on this? I got so much in me about this. I'm, I'm believing for which step to take next. I'll say more about that in a minute, but go with me, please. To Isaiah, the ninth chapter, and then Philippians, the second chapter. Isaiah 9, Philippians 2. Hold that thought and let me touch on this. What is the kingdom of God? Is your church the kingdom of God? No, it is not. It is a part. And how much? What size of a part? (laughs) Out of two billion believers? Out of four and a half million churches? We're glad to be a part. But we ought not delude ourselves that we're the biggest part. Or that we're the biggest thing going on. And really, you want to talk about tongue talking, prosperity and healing believing folks? What percentage are we of this two billion? Minuscule. But we're just glad to be here. But those who have any understanding of God's view of it are not going to belittle anybody else or make fun of any group that doesn't speak in tongues or doesn't believe in healing. Did you hear me? If you got any smarts. And what the Lord has been showing me is that people in our areas, our circles, as we talk about word and faith, and preachers and teachers 
are running people away from their ministries. Hmm? Running people away. Somebody says, well, if they get offended at the word, I can't help that. If that's what it was. I said, if that's what it was. How many times have you heard this? Churches, all at once here, boom, boom, some stuff happening. And now their, half their congregation is gone. And they had any increase in months and years. And so they develop doctrines of purging. Oh, we're having fun now, aren't we? And it is exactly like the doctrines other group developed when people don't get healed. And so they develop doctrines that it's not God's will for all to be healed. And people develop doctrines why it's okay for us to decrease, 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 cut in half, cut in quarter. Why? Because we are, God's doing a special thing with us. There's only 20 of us left out of 2,000, but God has us in an advanced place. That other people couldn't relate, couldn't understand, and couldn't stay with. And so it's why all these other folk have left, but God's taken us on into realms where no man has gone before. <laughs> and we're losing our building and our property because the people are not here and the money's not here, but it's the mysterious advanced plan of God. God had to purge out all those subpar members. Or could it be something else? The Bible said the common people heard Jesus gladly. (laughs) The people who didn't know a thing about Scripture loved Jesus. I mean, people came straight out of the bars and went to his meetings. Right? Prostitutes came right off the corner. People come right out of the bar. People came still smoking dope with a bottle in their hand. And they loved Jesus. Didn't they? In fact, he got persecution for it. Didn't he? They said, man, he fellowships with drunks and prostitutes. Could they say that about you? (laughs) I'm not making this up, am I? I mean, are these scriptures? (laughs) Ah, let her pause here for a moment. Let's just take a breath. Religious, a religion of man is exclusive. It excludes and excludes and excludes. Hmm? And I'm telling you, the religions of men are taking millions to hell and keeping millions away from places they should be able to get help. This exclusivity, exclusivity. 
Now, the Lord gave me two big limiters on our increase in prosperity for this meeting. We're on the first one. Well, I don't think we're ready to get to the second one right now, but, but we're on the first one. <laughs> of things that are clamping and restricting and preventing our increase. And this is number one. Not putting his kingdom first, but putting our own first. Uh, Hold your place in Isaiah. Put your little ribbon there, whatever you got. And just go to Philippians. Philippians. Did you know that some of the very things that you would least want to hear That might aggravate your flesh the most. If you could hear them and receive them. Can be the things that can cause you to break through to the greatest miracles and the greatest places. Because it's not God's lack of power or his lack of will. But it's men's wrong thinking. And humans are creatures of habit, and they are reared in societies and tradition, and they like their traditions, and they like the way that they've always known it. And you get away from that, and famous last words of dying churches are, we never done it that way before. We never saw it like that. Oh, no, 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 no. That's how you dry up on the vine. And die. When you're alive, you grow. Right? Rose bush, tree, tomato plant. If it's alive, it grows. And when it grows, you come back in a few days and there's a little bud on the end that's a different color from the rest. It's new. I said it's new and it's a different color and it's doing something different than the other one was. When you're growing, you're coming into life, you're coming into newness. Not new to God, but new to you. Hallelujah. He said in Philippians 2, are you there? I'd like to give you some meat. Forward through. (laughs) Something that you're going to have to chew. But boy, if you can chew it and take it, it's going to do something to you. It's going to. Hmm? Philippians 2, he said, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Now, when you read that, who do you hear talking here? Hmm? Most time people think Paul is writing to his church. Mm, God is talking to you and me. Don't limit it to that. And in this, you can hear the heart of the Father talking to his church worldwide. What's he saying? Let's read it like that now. 
He said, if there's any consolation in the anointed one, is there? Oh, yes, there is. If there's any comfort in my love and I am love. If there's any fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit. If there's any tenderness to my insides and my mercies. Would you do something for me? Are you listening to the Father God? Would you do something for me? God the Father saying, would you, would you make me happy? Would you fulfill my joy? Would you? How? Huh? How? Would you get on the same page? Would you become of the same mind? Would you focus on my things? Would you have the same love? Would you get in one accord? Would you get of one mind? Can you hear the Father God talking? Is that his heart? Is that what he cares about? All you got to do is think about Anybody in here got kids? More than one? Grandkids? If they're at each other's throat, does that affect you? If they won't even talk to each other for years, does that bother you? Can your joy really be full and your kids won't even sit down at the same table? You know what means more to our God than anything in the universe? Same thing that means more to any real parent. His kids. His kids. His kids. His kids. Yes, yeah, North American kids, but his Central American kids and his South American kids and his Asian kids and his African kids and his European kids. And, huh? His kids all over every continent and every island and every race, creed and color and tongue. They're all his kids and he loves us all, but he wants us to get together and love each other. It's his heart. It's his desire. It's his plan. It's what, now get this, it's what he is using his faith for. Is God a faith God? Does he have faith? Is he using it? Is he in faith for anything? Can you sense that? That ain't Keith. He is using his faith. The Almighty, the Creator of heavens and earth. Jesus prayed the prayer to him to give him the legal right to do it. And he said, Father, I pray that they may be one, even as you and I. Oh, did you hear that? How one? How much one? As one as he and Jesus are one. I pray that they may be one even as you and I are one. He said it more than once in John 17. And the Father heard that prayer and it was his perfect will and he is expecting it. We haven't seen it, but we will. We don't know how. 
but he knows. Oh, glory to God. And I tell you, even since we started this meeting, the love of God is just coming up in me. And I'm loving people I ain't never seen. On continents I ain't been to. Languages I don't speak. There's got all kind of names over their church door, but that don't mean a thing to God. And it don't mean anything to me. Are you? Are they born again? Is Jesus their Lord? Do we got the same Father? Names in the same book. Glory to God. And this, this is what God is believing for. This is His heart. This is His plan. He is expecting. He's got His faith on this. Until we are one, just like He and Jesus are one. And He won't quit (laughs) until it all comes to pass. Now the devil hates this. As much as God loves it, he hates it. Oh, he hates it. He used to be in the presence of God. He knows what it's like. And he's lost it forever and can't get it back. And we we have in our future everything he's ever knew in the past and much, much, much. Much more. So he envies us. And he can't fix it. So what he wants to do is hurt us. And he can't get to God personally. But he can hurt us sometimes. And that gets to God. And one of the things that grieves the father the most. Is his kids hurting each other. And so that's the enemy's priority. Can you see that? Not just to hurt us, but to get to Him, get to God. But there are people growing up in the body of Christ. Hmm? There are people growing beyond their ignorances and their prejudices and their pettiness. Huh? Am I right? Am I talking to some people like that? Huh? They could care less about the trimmings and the externals. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. The love of God is the atmosphere of heaven. That's what you're going to breathe when you get there. And that's what enlightens you instead of the sun. I said, I thought it was God. God is love. And the wonderful thing is, you don't have to wait till you get there Amen. to start breathing some of it. Amen. If you obey Him and keep His commandments, Jesus said, you will abide, that means live, you will live in His love. That doesn't just mean walking in love with each other, that means living in manifested God. Living in manifested love. And if you've touched any of it, you know there ain't no drug, there ain't no drink, 
There ain't no possession. There is nothing that touches it and compares it. I remember my first year in the ministry, I was doing some extra time praying and seeking the Lord about some things. And as I was praying, God began to do with me to pray about somebody I knew. And as I prayed about them, there was a love that came up in me for them that I had never experienced in life. And as I prayed about them, I sensed at least a part and for a brief moment God's love for them. How he loves them. I could never see them the same again. After that, and as I lay there on the floor, after a while, I almost forgot about them. Just reveling in this love. And as I lay there, just laughing and crying, happy cry. And thinking, I said it out loud, I said, God, this is where I want to live forever. Right here. Isn't it? He said, you will. This is me. This is heaven's atmosphere. Thank you, Lord. And it's our own fault we don't live in more of it right now. Glory to God. We're, we're in a good place right now. Uh, another thing the Lord showed me during that same time, and it's been a, what can I say, it's been a pillar in our ministry ever since in everything we do he dealt with me he said allow no strife in your ministry none have zero tolerance sometimes people may not have understood why we were are the way we are about strife but I have a command and really everybody does He spoke to me specifically about it. And this is what he said. He took me to James. And where he talked about where strife is, there's what? Hmm? Turn over there and look at it. Hold your place there. Philippians and Isaiah and wherever else you are. (laughs) Well, if you've got four or five fingers holding places, you are getting in the word now, aren't you? You, Ah. James. James 3, he said verse 14, James 3, 14, if you have bitter envying, bitterness, envying, and what? Strife in your hearts. Now don't raise any hand, but have you ever experienced bitterness or envy or strife? Just as beautiful as the love of God is, that's how ugly and devilish and ungodly that stuff is. Glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. It doesn't get any more devilish than strife and envy and bitterness. For where envying and strife is, he repeats it. Where envying and strife is, there is what? Confusion Confusion and what? Every. 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 How many? 
When the love of God is manifested, God is love. So when love is manifested, everything is is manifested. That's why people, when God manifests himself, people get healed and nobody prayed for them. People get delivered and nobody laid a hand on them. Right? Why? Because God manifested. Well, on the other end of it, when envy and strife is manifesting, every evil work is being able to manifest. And the Lord said that to me, and I wrote it down. He said, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. And he said, I'm telling you, allow none of it in your house, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your church. None have zero tolerance. Why? Well, if I'm the under-shepherd of something, if I have the oversight of it, and I let and allow known strife to go on and increase, I'm letting the devil manifest himself in something that is God's. That only God should be able to manifest in. Somebody said no strife. Zero strife. Can you have that? Thank you for those three amens. Can you have a home with no strife? Hmm? Can you have children and teenagers and no strife? I didn't say it wouldn't try to raise its head. It will. Things will start to come up. But the moment you see that strife trying to come up, you I mean, you stop it. You put both. You say, no, no, no. This is done. We're over. Let's go to our rooms and pray. We'll talk later. Now, don't just sweep stuff under the rug and never deal with it. Talk later. But in love. And with wisdom. And do it right. There ain't no future in yelling and screaming. Did you hear me? And pushing stuff around and breaking furniture. No good's going to come out of that. Only evil. You're letting the enemy manifest. I know I had the privilege of working in healing school under Brother Hagin's ministry for a number of years. And one evening, winter evening, it was already about dark. I was coming out of the front door the building where I ministered. And there was a lady came with a little baby that had been in the healing classes. I knew her. I'd seen her there. And as she came up, the little baby I could see, young child, uh, runny nose, eyes watering and crying. You could tell the baby's sick. Baby doesn't feel good. And she said, Brother Keith, would you pray for my baby? I said, yes. We're standing outside and it's cold. The wind's blowing him. And I reach over to lay hands on the baby. And the Lord checked me. He said, don't pray for the baby. I thought, huh. So I backed off. And just like that, had a word of knowledge and knew some things. And I saw she and her husband had just been fighting. I mean, raging against each other night and day. And the Lord showed me, uh, you know, some things you can see in a split second. It'd take you two hours to try to explain it, but you just know it just like that. And I knew I could pray for the child. I could use my faith. I could use the authority in the name of Jesus. And the child would immediately begin to get better. But if she takes that child right back into that strife, 
going to lose the progress and get worse. And that's why the Lord said, don't pray for the child. Does he want the child healed? Jesus bought and paid for the baby's healing. Right? He took stripes. But you're not going to enjoy the blessings and benefits of God in a devilish atmosphere of hate and hard words and strife and envy. You want healing in your home? You can't have strife in your house. If you want increase, got to get rid of the strife. You want to hear from God and get wisdom and get the plan, you got to get the strife out. I told her, I said, sister, I said, uh, have you and your husband been having trouble? Oh, man, she just broke down and started crying, tears like a faucet. And she just boo-hooed and heaved and boo-hooed. And, and she said, oh, God, Brother Keith, we just, yes, yeah, awful. I said, well, if you want your baby to be healed, you all got to get it fixed. She looked at me like I'd slapped her. I said, faith works by strife. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Faith doesn't work in strife. Faith works by love. I said, uh, Sister, the Lord wants your baby healed and you healed. I said, go home. Tell your husband this. And whatever y'all have to do, do it for the sake of your baby. Right? Whatever you have to do, repentance. Hmm? Changing, asking forgiveness and forgiving, whatever you got to do. But that's not just true for that little family. That's true for the whole family. It's why God gave us the command. Right? Not the suggestion. He never said, try to love each other. Some of your new translations will put the word try in different places. It ain't there and it's not right. The Lord never told you to try anything. For him to tell you to try something means he might not know whether you could do it or not. And we've already established. He knows. (laughs) So if he tells you do something, he already knows. You can if you will. Right? And he commanded us. Love each other like I love you. It's a commandment. It's the commandment. And if you're doing that, then it's going to flow you right in to seeking first the kingdom of God. Isn't it? Can you see that? Tied together. Can you say amen? Amen. The love of God. God is love. The very environment of heaven. Strife is the very environment of hell. Take the worst strife and fighting that you've ever been involved in or around and multiply it thousands of fold. And that's what hell is. Strife. What an awful place. Bitterness. Anger. Rage. Strife. Everywhere. No escape from it. It's all around you. It's in every pore and in every thought. It's not just the heat that makes hell hell. I ain't going. I'm going where there's no more pain, no more crying, no more sorrow, 
No more dying. No cross words. No sideways evil looks. No backstabbing. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. For there's nothing but love. Love. Love, 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 love everywhere, in everything, and everybody you see goes, hey, what can I do for you? Let me do something. Let me do something for you. And you go, let me do something for you. Well, let's just go do something for each other. (laughs) You don't have to wait till you get there. The love of God has already been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Already in us. Already in us. All we got to do is yield to it. Just yield to it. Yield to it. And like anything you yield to, it'll flow stronger and increase. Somebody say increase. Increase. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's thank God for our future. Let's thank God for where we're going. And Oh, Lord, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for who you are and what you are. How wonderful, oh, how wonderful you are. Thank you for what you put in us. Thank you for the love commandment. Thank you. Thank you for the love that you have already shed abroad in our hearts. For all our brothers and sisters all over the world and in heaven, the entire kingdom of God, the entire body of Christ, the entire family of God. Didn't the Bible say, if you love God, you love his children? Hmm? Do you love God? How much do you love God? Stop in context of the verse we just quoted. It's revealed proportionally to how much you love his children. If a man says he loves God but hates his brother, what does the scripture say? He's a liar. It just ain't true. Right? How much do you and I love God? It's more evident than we thought. See, people like to think. Oh, I love God. Oh, I, oh, me and God. Now, people, oh, people, I, mm. <laughs> I've heard preachers talking about they didn't like people. They weren't a people person. <laughs> you just got through saying you don't like God. What is God's heart? What is his vision? What is his faith on? His people. His people. His people. How much do you love God? It's directly revealed in how much you love His other children. Is it true? And all His kids. All of His kids. All of His kids. All of them. Somebody say all of them. I mean the ones that are saved But they're a mess. I mean, they're a basket case. It's just flesh, flesh, flesh. That's all you can see. But God loves them. I said he loves them. Doesn't he? If he loves them, 
I love them. Say it out loud. If he loves them, I love them. Hmm? There's kids that they're born again, but they are so messed up in their head. Hmm? And they just keep doing dumb stuff and mean stuff. But he loves them. I said he loves them. And they can do it 10,000 times and do all kind of terrible things and cause all kind of problems. And still, if they come back to him and fall down and say, I repent, God forgive me, I love you. He will reach out his arms and he will take them and he will forgive them and cleanse them and love them. And if he can do it, say it out loud, I can do it. If he can do it, I can do it. If he loves them. I love them. You can do it by faith. It's not based on your feelings. It's not based on your desires or feelings. You do it by faith. He's, you know, all of God's kids are not making him feel warm and fuzzy all the time. (laughs) But he still loves them. I said he still loves them. And your patience can be shot and gone with them. And his has just begun. And you better be glad he's that way. Because he's also that way. (laughs) With you. (laughs) Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Go back to Philippians. How many people are we talking about we love? Two billion that we've heard about. And that's not counting all the ones that's in heaven already. We got a big family. Big, big, huge family. Do we love them all? Or are we partial? Are we prejudiced? Are we ignorant? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. This is the correct answer. (laughs) Glory to God. I'm not quite ready to read this verse for some reason. And this was the text for tonight, so. Go to John 13. We'll see if we can get there by going this way. Oh, thank you, Master. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, His wonderful, wonderful love. Can you imagine the place where nobody ever fights? Ever. Nobody ever yells at each other in the kitchen. Or the bedroom. Nobody ever stomps out. Ever. Ever. Among the billions. (laughs) Selah. Did you know his will for the earth is exactly the same? He said, pray. 
that his will would be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Now, you can't control everybody, but you can rule and reign in this life, in your areas, right? Where God is having dominion, where the kingdom of God is having influence, right? In your house, in your car, in your place, in your business, in your church, in your ministry, you can taste and have days of heaven on the earth. People come visit you and walk through your house, walk through your yard, walk through your teenager's room and and walk through your church and walk through your offices and sense nothing but peace and love and faith. It can happen here now. And I'm telling you, it pleases your father. It pleases him. In John, Jesus is about to leave this earth. He's giving final charges before his sacrifice and departure. And he gets to this. John 13, 34. What did he say? Put yourself in this spot. Jesus is speaking to you. You see him. You hear him personally. He said, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Now, who's one another? Who's he talking to? His disciples. Right? Who's he talking about them loving? You know, you're not talking about them loving the unsaved world. Hmm? Now, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yes, but that's not what he's talking about. Loving who? Now, it becomes more obvious the further you go in the verse that he's not just talking about everybody. He said that you love who? Who's he talking to? He was talking to his disciples, his followers. Are you his disciple? Yes, and then he's talking to us, but he's talking to us believers, disciples. And he said, I'm giving you a new commandment. I'm commanding you to love each other. What do you think John understood and Peter and Matthew? What do you think they understood? They're looking at each other, aren't they? John is thinking, I got to love Matthew and Thomas and right Bartholomew and Right? That's what's going through their mind. Peter's thinking, I gotta love John. I gotta love Matthew. I'm commanding you. He didn't say try to do it. I'm commanding you that you love one another. How? As I have loved you. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Did that mean anything to them? In all the time they had known him, they saw him tired, they saw him hungry, they saw him weary, they saw him lay hands on 20,000 people, they saw him preach, they saw him get up and do it again, and not one time did he ever jump on them and chew them out and be unfair with them because he was tired. Not one time. 
did he ever snap at them. Because he was aggravated about something else. We said, yeah, but now, Brother Keith, that's Jesus. He did it as a man with no unfair advantage over you or I. Proven it could be done. Are y'all with me? Oh, now, he got on them at times. He corrected them. He talked straight to them at times. But it was all love. Wasn't because he's having a bad day. Wasn't because he was aggravated with something the scribes and Pharisees had done and then came back and took it out on them. That's one of the most ungodly things. And people do it all the time. They have a rough day at work or they have a rough day with the kids or whatever and they see their spouse or their friend and they just let them have it. They just blow off steam, they call it. I actually had a pastor tell me this one time that he thought, this was his theory, that God gave us each other, our spouse, husbands and wives, to uh, let our hair down and to blow off steam with. What can you say to such ignorance? (laughs) Put yourself in these men's place. He said, I am commanding you, Peter and John, Matthew and Thomas, I'm commanding you to love each other just like I have loved you all these times and years and months that you've known me. Is it possible? Can you do it? Not just can you do it, should you do it? (laughs) We're commanded. It's the, of all the things he could have said, it is the New Testament command. Said out loud, I can can. and I will will. love Love. my brothers and sisters, sisters. all of them, them. like the Lord Lord loves me. me. I can do it. His love is in me. I will to do it. By His grace. That's all it takes, friend, is just a willingness. That's all it takes is that any time and every time something comes up, you say, no, 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 I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to love them. Because see what happens. People, people know this, but things come up and they don't care. They're mad and they want to say what they do. They know what they should do, but they don't care. And they just throw it caution to the wind and then just say what they want to say and do what they want to do and break the command. Break the command. What did he say? New commandment I give you. That you love one another. Is there anything any more important that Jesus would come tell us today that supersedes this commandment? Hmm? Would he ever come and say, now that was important to me right then, but now we got some other things going on right now. And I'm going to tell you, this is it. Always will be. It, the command. Why? Because when you do it, it takes care of everything else. It is the fulfilling of the entire law. Every, is it true? Is that what Romans said? Every statute, every ordinance, every law that was given to identify and curb sin, everything. Why? Love does no ill to its neighbor. Of any kind ever. 
So love is the fulfilling of the entire law. If I'm going to walk in love with you and love you, you don't have to tell me don't kill them. Don't steal from them. Don't lie on them. Don't lie to them. Don't commit adultery with their spouse. Don't steal their car. Don't take their money. If I love you, I'm not. Love works no ill to whoever they're around. So love is the fulfilling of the law. Don't lose me now. And I see a few frowns here and there. Don't. No, come on. Smile. Put the smile back on. <laughs> and go glory to God. You got that love in you. Is it true? So what Romans 5 said, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Is it there? You sensed it a few moments ago, didn't you? When we were talking about the love of God, I saw it on your face. You sensed it. Came up in you. And on you. You can walk in that with other people on Monday morning on the job. You can walk in that with your wife when you're tired. Hmm? You'll have to retrain yourself. You'll have to retrain your mouth. Hmm? And retrain yourself. But you can. I said you can. I said you can. And when you start treating each other right, your prayers are no longer hindered. Ah, like First Peter 3 talks about. Your prayers are no longer hindered. And now your focus gets right. And you begin to seek the advancement of other people and other things, including your family, people outside yourself. And here comes all these things begin to be added to you and the increase of God comes upon you. Your faith works like never before because it works by love. The limitations are removed. The hindrances and limitations and restrictions are removed because love cannot be overcome. Love cannot fail. You know what that means? There is no effective weapon against love. Doesn't exist. There's nothing the enemy has that works to overcome love. He has nothing. God is love. If you could overcome love, you could overcome God. Can't do it. What if you walk in love all the time? Then you can't be overcome. Hey, hey. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Now get this. Verse 35. By this. Everybody say this. By what? This what? By us, me loving you, my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ, you loving me, by us loving each other. Hmm? The uh, Charismatics loving the Pentecostals. The Pentecostals loving the Baptists. The Baptists loving the Presbyterians. Presbyterians loving the Lutherans. Lutherans loving the Catholics. By this, by us loving each other, the church loving the church. Amen. What? By this shall all men. Now, what's, who's he talking about there? He's talking about somebody else. That's how you can see he's talking about me and you loving each other because now he goes to somebody else. 
By all men. Who's all these men? These are people who don't know God. People who worship rocks. People who pray to stars. People who worship false gods. And there are billions of them. They, by this, will know that you are my disciples. Now let you stop. I don't know if we've seen everything that's in here. What does it mean? His disciples. If they know that you are Jesus' disciples, don't they also know that there's a Jesus? And that he's real? And that he is the Lord? And that he is the Messiah? Glory to God. Glory to God. Do you know what the second largest group of so-called religion under the Christian is? There's about two billion of us. One of the next largest group, like two or three, is the agnostic, atheist crowd. Claimed to be over a billion. It has tripled in the last 15 years or so. If we just got to folks saved who say, I don't know if there's a God or not. Maybe there is. I don't know. That's agnostic. Atheist says there is no God. But a lot of these guys are this close to getting saved. They're talking about, they got their degrees and they talk about their philosophies and, and the religions of the world and all this kind of junk. But in their heart, they're hungry and they know there's something they're missing. And if they could just see the reality of God. Who is God? What is so to see God, reality of God? What do you got to see? Love. So, so, well, healing power—that's love in manifestation. Delivering power—that's love in manifestation. People's needs being met—that's love being manifested. It's love. It's love. And so, can you see why the devil has worked night and day to get Christians to be mean to each other and to hurt each other? Because Jesus said, "This is how they're going to know." Not by our speaking in tongues. Not by how much money we got. Did you hear me? But by what? By how I love you and how you love me. He intends to provoke the entire unbelieving world to jealousy by how much we love each other. They're to look at us and think, man, you joined that church, you got it made. Did you hear what they did for the guys? They bought them a house and they paid for them. And look, they love them. They went over and something happened to their kid. And the whole bunch, 500 of them showed up over there and cut their grass and washed their clothes and, and bought them all new clothes. And, and, and I want to join. <laughs> Would they treat anybody like that? Yeah. Yeah, anybody in the family. You can become a part of the family right now. Just let me lead you in this prayer. What's going to cause them to know it though? Seeing how I treat you. Seeing how you treat me. Seeing how pastors treat each other. And how churches treat each other. Oh come on now. Seeing it. Seeing it and hearing it. And have people been seeing it and hearing it? Not like they need to. But... This is our time. 
I don't think you heard the fullness of that. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. This is our time. I said, this is our time. Ain't no need in talking about what ought to be done or what needs to be done. This is our time to do it. To do it. We're not going to look to anybody else. We're not going to wait on anybody else. Have you noticed that the leaders of the previous generation are going home? Huh? The elders and the leaders have gone home, have gone home, have gone home. That's the way it works every generation. Nothing new, nothing strange. But what's God been training you for? Hmm? What's God been training me for? Training you for. Huh? This is our time. This is our time. This is our time to demonstrate how to treat each other. How to love each other. How to love God. This is our time. To let people see it. Let people see it. How good God is. And to experience this love. How many believe that somebody, you know, gets up the courage to come to your church or come to your ministry. By the time they pull on the parking lot, they ought to sense something. I said they ought to sense something. And it ought not be sideways glances. Man, their skirt's too short. And their blouse is too low. And they got orange and purple hair. And what is that? They smell like dope. Or, or alcohol. Or throw up. Oh, ooh. God loves them. Oh, he loves them. How can he express it? You're there. I said, you're there. You are right there. What is his will? His will is for them to know by this. To see how you are treating each other. Hmm? What a bad witness. If you pull in the parking lot and the parking lot guys are in a fist fight. Huh? What a bad witness. You come in the door and the greeters are glaring at each other. And you know something ain't right. You know something ain't right. And you feel it. How many of you can feel this? Can you feel tension? Can you feel stress? Well, you can also feel love. You can feel peace. You can feel unity. You can feel it. You can feel it. And especially if you hadn't had it. If you hadn't been in it, if you've been in sin and you've been in strife, when you come and experience real love, man, glory to God. It's like you've been living in a cave and you come out in the sunlight. You go, whoa, it's real. And you see people loving each other and you go, Jesus is real. And these are his people. Is that what Jesus said? By this will all men. Every nation, kindred, tribe, tongue, all men will know it. That you are my disciple. If they know you're Jesus' disciples, they know there's a Jesus. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet. Let me lead you in a prayer. Hallelujah. 
By this. By this. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Pray it out loud. Say, Father God. I respect your command. There's nothing in life more important to me than pleasing you and doing your will. And I see and know. I understand. This is your will. That I love all your other children like you love me. Thank you for putting your love in me. I will yield to it. I will yield to it. I will let that love constrain me. The love of the master. The love of the anointed one. I will allow it and permit it. To control my mouth. To control my thoughts. To control my hands. My actions. I will let the love of God manifest in me. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.